Hello everyone and welcome into this exciting episode of Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. Today's show is going to be great. We have Dr. Bai who is discussing an issue many clinicians face when placing implants. Should they employ freehand or guided surgery? Each method of surgery has its pros and cons with many factors to consider. Then, we're taking a brief look at a technological advancement that can result in smoother try-in and delivery appointments. Yep, you guessed it, it's CAD-CAM dentures. But up first, we have Dr. Abai, who is exploring the advantages and disadvantages of two different implant surgery methods, freehand surgery and guided surgery, with case examples. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at a guided implant surgery case where a patient presented with tooth number 31, which was missing for a long time. And uh, asking the patient how long it was missing, he stated it was uh, many years. So I took the patient through a comb beam CT scan, obviously a comprehensive exam, and I wanted to fabricate a guide for a guided surgery. This guide was fabricated based on an intraoral scan and a comb beam CT scan. And uh, once we fabricated it, I was able to go ahead and seat it on top of uh, the adjacent teeth. This is what we call a tooth-supported guide. And I was able to go through the protocol of creating the osteotomy. So initially, I want to go ahead and uh, remove the soft tissue. So I'll use a tissue punch. And once I have access to uh, the surface of the bone, I'll go ahead and go through my osteotomy drills with this system. We're using a spoon and a, and a sleeve uh, to guide each one of our drills. So we'll go step by step in order to create the osteotomy. So each one of these steps is uh, very important because each drill is in order. And you want to go through each one of these uh, drills within that order in, in terms of uh, creating the osteotomy so you can have a very nice and, uh, and clean site to place your implant. So step by step, we'll go through our, our pilot drill and uh, eventually widen and deepen the osteotomy to the point where we can go ahead and deliver the implant. Uh, in this scenario, I went ahead and utilized a uh, Han implant to uh, place uh, for our patient. And once uh, the osteotomy is created, I can actually go ahead and connect the implant to what's called an implant mount. The implant mount allows us to deliver the implant through the surgical guide. So there's a, a step where we go ahead and connect the implant mount to the implant, and then we can go ahead and place that through the guide. Now you can either use a hand driver to uh, place the implant, which I'm doing in this situation, or you can use your implant motor, and also uh, you can uh, utilize that to place the implant. So a couple of different techniques. Uh, it's really uh, with the preference. I like to use a torque wrench uh, to place the implant because Sometimes if uh, the osteotomy site is, if the bone quality is a little bit denser, I like to be able to back out and repeat and replace my implant several times in and out of the osteotomy site until I get it to the proper depth. So here we get a picture of the implant in position. And uh, once the implant is in the correct position, I'll go ahead and place a healing abutment. Uh, healing abutments come in different heights. So uh, usually I like to measure the tissue and I select the implant height based on uh, how much soft tissue I have and uh, where I want that soft tissue to end. So here you get a nice picture of the radiograph with the implant and the uh, healing abutment in place. And uh, the patient goes through a period of osteointegration. 
usually four months, and in this situation it was four months. And once the implant is fully integrated into the bone, I'll go ahead and remove the healing abutment and place the impression coping. We're taking a traditional impression. We also have uh, the option of placing a implant scan abutment to be able to scan the implant and also the adjacent teeth for a final impression. This method here, we're utilizing the traditional medium body for the implant and the soft tissue and the adjacent teeth a little bit. And then I'll go ahead and pick everything up with heavy body impression material. This impression material will set and within a few minutes I can go ahead and remove it and I'll check and make sure that I captured all the vital structures and then I can go ahead and get an impression of the maxillary arch and a bite registration and send that to the laboratory for fabrication of a final restoration. So I have all the information sent to the lab and the lab will fabricate a final restoration. In this situation, it is a screw-retained Bruxer crown. And I'll go ahead in the next visit and remove the healing abutment once again and seat the implant crown. And uh, just like the delivery of any other crown, I want to check my mesial and distal contacts. And I also want to check my opposing with the implant crown. When it's screw-retained, I'll go ahead and torque the uh, final delivery screw to uh, 35 newton centimeters. And, and then deliver the, uh, the final restoration with some Teflon and, and some composite. So everything is uh, sealed up. And then I'll go through and I'll check the occlusion one more time after my assistant cures uh, the composite on top of the implant. So here we have a nice uh, before and after picture with the guided uh, surgical protocol and delivery of the final restoration. And in this situation, unfortunately, we have a patient who came in with uh, an implant in the area of tooth number 30. And as you can see here, the implant was placed very well. And the patient had a stock healing abutment with a cementable crown. And in this situation, unfortunately, it seems that there was some cement extrusion. And that's probably why this uh, implant ended up having so much bone loss. And as you can see in this picture, there is the ring of cement that you can see at the junction of the stock healing abutment and the final restoration. So uh, the procedure was pretty straightforward for me. I had to go in and actually remove the implant and provide the patient with a little bit of bone graft in the area. Once the implant was removed, I moved forward with the bone graft. I went ahead and opened a flap uh, placed uh, bone graft material in this situation, again, uh, some bioos, and let the patient heal for about four months. So uh, at the four-month period, as you can see the, the progression of the healing, I brought the patient back in for uh, the implant placement visit. A uh, flap was created in the, in the site, and you can see that the bone had healed and the patient could receive uh, a new implant. So I went ahead and move forward with creating my uh, osteotomy for this implant. The implant that I am replacing the previous implant with is, uh, is the Han implant. Uh, utilizing a cone beam CT scan, I was able to measure the exact size of the implant that I wanted to utilize. So I'll make my initial osteotomy and I'll use my parallel pins to make sure that I'm in the right direction and the right angulation. And once that's confirmed with the radiograph, I'll go ahead and finish creating my osteotomy completely with 
different size osteotomy drills moving up in size, essentially. And once the osteotomy is fully created, you can appreciate uh, the occlusal view of the osteotomy. I'll go ahead and place the implant. So the implant is placed, and usually I like to look for a higher torque value uh, to determine the stability of the implant. The implant is in place. I'll go ahead and place a healing abutment, and then I will suture the tissue around the implant and the, and the healing abutment. And uh, again, essentially, I'll go through a period, and I'll wait about three to four months before bringing the patient back in for a final impression. So uh, two interrupted sutures are in place, and I'll go ahead and try to create primary closure as best as I can in this situation to help with the healing. And again, a series of uh, occlusal pictures shows you the healing process over time. And once the implant has gone through a period of osteointegration, I'll bring the patient back and remove the healing cap or healing abutment and I'll seat the impression coping. And again, at this stage, I'll have my assistant take a radiograph to confirm that the impression coping is seated properly, and hopefully it is, and I'll go ahead and move forward with the final impression. Usually, I like to utilize a medium body polyvinyl siloxane material and then pick that up with a heavy body. The reason I don't like to use light body, again, is because of the movement of the uh, impression coping and the implant analog within the impression. So I want to make sure that I have a more solid material, stronger material, to hold on to the impression coping. So once I send that to uh, the laboratory, in this situation, I prescribed a Bruxer anterior, actually. So this material is the Bruxer anterior block, uh, and it was milled right here at Glidewell Dental Laboratories. And it is strong enough for a posterior restoration with the flexural strength of between 650 to 800 megapascals. So I was comfortable creating a, uh, fabricating a final crown with the material, and I went ahead and torqued the restoration into place and placed Teflon and composite. And I'll go ahead and check the occlusion and make sure that I have the crown out of occlusion slightly. So there you can appreciate the occlusal and buccal view of the restoration and the final radiograph of the implant in place. If you'd like more information on the Han implant, please visit our website. And there is a lot of educational information on the implant and the utilization of different dental materials such as the Bruxer anterior restoration. Thank you for that, Dr. Abai. Now we're going to show you how we fabricate CAD-CAM dentures. Because for the first time, clinicians can send us a traditional or digital impression and receive dentures fabricated with precision using CAD-CAM technology. Let's take a look at how it's done. Fabricating dentures with CAD-CAM design and 3D printing saves you time, money, and resources, and can help you experience smoother try-in and delivery appointments. Let's take a look at the fabrication process for CAD-CAM dentures. First, we take the scanned model of the patient's edentulous arch and use CAD-CAM software to digitally fine-tune the design of the denture. Now it's time to 3D print a try-in prosthesis to make sure that the doctor and the patient are satisfied with the proposed restoration. This appliance is essentially a replica of the final prosthesis and is fabricated from a biocompatible, colorless photopolymer. Next, 
Technicians set the final denture teeth in the wax of the aesthetic area of the try-in base. This allows the doctor and patient to evaluate the shade and alignment at the try-in appointment. The dentist can then test the fit of the 3D printed base and confirm that it meets expectations before it's finalized. The doctor can confirm proper speech, function, alignment, and occlusal contacts, and the patient gets to make sure that they like the aesthetics of the design. If the denture is too loose, the clinician can make a simple wash reline impression of the try-in denture and send it to the lab to ensure the final restoration fits perfectly. Once the try-in is approved, the appliance is sent back to the lab for final processing with the SR IvoCap injection system. After a laboratory technician sets all the denture teeth into the final acrylic CAD-CAM denture base, the denture is ready to be sent to the clinician for final delivery. If you would like more information on our CAD-CAM technology, visit our website at www.glidewelldental.com. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, we thank you for watching, and I'll meet you right back here next time.